0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. So good to see you this morning. And let me just say something as we kind of jump into today's service and the message part of today's service. I am so proud of you, church. I'm so proud of Uh, What I've been hearing from our church, I know many of you are fasting and praying and seeking the Lord and specifically praying for the church, and I've already heard some incredible testimonies of breakthrough that's taking place in some of your lives, and I also believe that there's some breakthrough that God wants to do for us as a church. So my encouragement to you today is keep hanging tough, all right? Just thank new, new kids on the block, keep hanging tough. Because I believe that there's more that God wants to do. I believe that we're going to experience that as we continue to seek and pursue, disconnect from the things of this world and connect with God. I believe some incredible things are going to take place in our lives. Well, the Cowboys lost last night. That's why I'm in black. So football's over, but that's okay. That's all right. Uh, If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're in a series right now called Like Never Before, and what we're doing in this series is we're, uh, we're, pers- we're looking at some investments that we can make, uh, that maybe we're, we haven't been making or maybe that we can, we can continue to grow in, because we're saying this, if, if we will make spiritual investments like never before, we will experience a life in 2019 like we've never experienced before. And so today I want to talk to you about the investment of obedience. Turn to the person beside you and say, obedience, In fact, I'm calling this message, Obedient Like Never Before. And what you're going to see in the Word of God is is if you study the Bible, if you begin to look at Scripture, one of the things you're going to discover is one of the central values of the kingdom of God is obedience to God. In fact, the first interaction we see in Scripture, in Genesis 2, we have God and, and Adam having this interaction together. At the heart of that, we see this idea of obedience. Look at this verse with me. Genesis chapter 2 verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man. In other words, he, he told him to obey. He commanded the man, he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God gives this command to obey, and we're told to do this, but it's not necessarily something that we love to do, is it? Like, like, let's be real, there's something in us, you, you even maybe felt this this morning, I can feel it, I felt it in all three services. When I start talking about obedience, you can just kind of feel people going, oh, that's what we're talking about today? Like, I don't really want to talk about obedience. And, and there's a reason for that. See, there's a part of us that doesn't like this idea of Obedience. We don't like it. There's a part of us that wants to to rebel against that. In fact, I, I was watching a documentary a couple of years ago. It's uh, it was a documentary called Obey Giant, and it's about this graphic designer slash street artist guy named Shepard Ferry, who's a who's a pretty famous designer. He's the guy who came up with with the the, the clothing line Obey you guys some of you younger people have seen obey you know what obey clothing line is you've seen those shirts with the red let the, the red bar with the white letters that says obey that's that's his that's his deal and and if you haven't seen that maybe you've seen this this is the obey giant logo that's actually a, a rendering of the face of Andre the giant so that's the obey giant logo that's a really famous piece of street art that he created and so he was talking about like the inspiration for this like why why he did It's why he called it obey. And I remember like the first time I I saw people walk around with these shirts that said obey. I remember thinking, boy, that's like, what is that? Like, what does that mean? And what he said is he was watching this movie one time. And and in the movie, uh, there was this billboard. And on the billboard, it said obey. And when he saw that, it just kind of like there was something inside of him that was kind of like, I don't I don't really like that. And he had this thought. I, I wrote it down. This is what he said. What is the one thing people do the most subconsciously, but resist the most when they are aware of it? Obey. And when he said that, I thought, you know, that's so true. Like we, whether you recognize it or not, we're obeying all the time. We're obeying people, we're obeying things, we're we're walking in obedience. But it's like when we're made aware of the fact of it, it's like, wait, you're telling no, I'm not gonna like we resist that. And here's why, because there's a part of you that's a rebel. Turn to the person beside you and say, You're a rebel. There's a part of you that's rebellious, and and it's it's this part of you, it's the soul part of you, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and that part of you resists this obedience stuff, it it doesn't like to obey. That's the part of us that we're working to renew, we're working to bring under submission to the Word of God and the will of God, we're we're trying to to renew that through, through the Word of God. But it's rebellious, and we all have that within us, that's a part of who we are. And so, understand this. God wants you to obey. It's very clear in Scripture God wants you to obey. But He's not going to make you obey. And He's not going to, to try to get you to obey. He's not going to try to trick you into obedience. Because God wants you to choose to obey. He wants you to choose to obey Him and really to worship Him through your obedience. Now the devil's different. He, he doesn't care how you obey or who you obey as long as you don't obey God. So he's fine with tricking you into obedience to the wrong things. He's, try, he's fine with that. As long as you're not obeying God, that's really all he cares about. So, so here's the reality that we all find ourselves in this morning. We are all obeying someone. Every one of us. You are either choosing to obey God and submit to the will of God, or, listen, by default, you're choosing to obey Satan and submit to his will. You say, Pastor Josh, I would never obey Satan. Oh, you think so? Well, let me break this down for you a little bit. Because, well, see, again, it goes back to, he, the devil doesn't care how you see it as long as you don't obey God. And so what he'll do is he'll try to convince you that you're obeying your own will. That you're doing what you want to do. This is your, This is your choice. That this is your free will. And so, what you do is you say, Okay, I'm not gonna, I, I know God wants me to do this, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do things my way. Well, when you do that, what you're doing is you're saying, In that area of my life, with that decision, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the, the Lord in that area. I'm giving Lordship to myself, not to God. When you do that, the Bible calls that adultery. You're putting an idol. You're making yourself into an idol over God. And what you're doing is you're really, you're, at that point, you're submitting to the will of the enemy. And you're beginning to worship what the enemy wants you to worship. So you are worshiping the devil. See, the devil doesn't care who you obey as long as it's not God. He doesn't care who you worship as long as it's not God. And so he'll trick you into thinking, it's your, you're doing your thing and this is your way. What you don't know is the devil's got a hook in your nose and he's dragging you everywhere he wants to. It's not your way. It's his way. He's tricking you. If it's not God's way, it's his way. It ain't Burger King's way. It's it's the devil's way. So so he'll do everything he can to like get you to believe that the will of God is not the best will for your life. That that Doing things God's way is going to lead you not to happiness, not to joy, not to a fulfilled life. That it's going to to keep you from the life that, that you want to experience. And the joy and the pleasures and the things that you want to experience, God's way is going to keep you from that. And one of the reasons why the enemy is able to trick us into this is because we don't really understand what obedience is. We don't understand what obedience to God is really all about because we have these models that we base our obedience on that are based on earthly models. And listen, earthly models are not perfect. God is perfect, but no one else here is. And so we, we see obedience through the lens of our experiences and through the lens of the people that we have walked in obedience to throughout our life. So we, we see obedience through the lens of maybe the relationship that a parent has with a child where it's required obedience And how many of you know, not all parents are perfect, right? I'm a parent, I'm not perfect. And and, and so I'm trying my best, but, but there are a lot of you that you've experienced some really bad homes and really bad upbringing and really parents who did not do things right at all and who hurt you and did wrong things. And so now you see obedience through the lens of that. Or maybe you were in the military and you had a superior officer and you were under his obedience and, and, and he told you what to do and and, and you, you that's the kind of experience you have with obedience. Or maybe it's a boss to an employee. You work for somebody and they're not perfect. They're far from perfect. And so you see you see God and you see obedience through the lens of your earthly experiences. And so what happens is you begin to see obedience as this kind of tyrannical, like bossy, kind of like... It, the, the person that is, is lording over you and they don't really care about you, they don't really care about what you want or what you desire. All they really care about is what they want and they desire. And so we, we see obedience that way. But let me just tell you if, that's how you, if that's how you see obedience, if that's what you think of when you think of obedience, let me just tell you, that is not at all the obedience that God is inviting you to walk in. The obedience that God is inviting you to walk in is based on relationship. In fact, in, in the Bible... The Hebrew word that is translated the most for the word obedience is the Hebrew word shema, shema. It means this. It means it means to hear intelligently and hearken to a higher authority. Look at this next part: to have a hearing heart. Now, notice notice in the definition, we see hear and hearing. As the idea of communication is taking place, but the idea is 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 communication taking place at a heart level? Now. In order for that to take place, there has to be relationship. When when you are in a real relationship with someone, you can hear their heart in the words that they say. You can even hear their heart, their real heart, in the words that they say when they say stuff and they don't even mean it. You know what I mean? Like I have a relationship with my wife Sarah, and because I have a relationship with her, and and we love each other, and we have an intimate relationship with each other, there are times that we come to each other and we invite each other to obedience. We ask each other to do stuff. Like yesterday, we were doing stuff around the house, doing laundry, doing dishes. When Sarah comes to me and says, hey, can you put the dishes away? She's inviting me into obedience. She's asking me to obey her and go put the dishes away. When she does that, I'm not sitting there thinking, she's just trying to steal my joy. She hates me, and she wants to keep me from my fun right now. And I, no, no. I understand that this is for the good of our family, and this is ultimately for my good. And for our good relationship, for me to walk in obedience. I understand that because I know her, I know her heart, I know how she cares about me and loves me. See, here's what happens. Because I understand the motives of her heart, I am the motivation to obey her is easy. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? When we know the love of God for us, when we understand the motivation behind God's heart, it gets real easy to be motivated to obey Him. When we know, but that's, that's what this is talking about. We have a hearing heart. We hear the heart of God beyond the words of obedience. We know because he loves us and he's for us. When he's inviting us to obedience, what he's inviting us to is for our own good, for our own benefit, and for the benefit of those around us. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Anytime God asks you to obey, any time God asks you to obey, it's for good and for blessing. Anytime God asks you to obey, it's for your good, and it's for your blessing, and it's for the good of others, and it's for the blessing of others. Every time. Okay, so I want to give you three we obeys today. So if you're taking notes, we obey, kind of dot, 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 and then we're going to fill in the blank with some, some, some areas that we can obey God in, all right? So here's number one. We obey, number one, because we love God, others, and ourselves, We obey because we love God, others, and ourselves. So let's break that down. Let's talk about the first one. We obey because we love God. Obedience is a response to the love of God. When we obey, we are responding and expressing our love back to God through our obedience. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. John 14, verse 23, same chapter, just a few verses later, Jesus says again, If anyone loves me, they will obey me. 1 John 5, verse 3, he says, We show our love for God by obeying his commandments, and I love this, and they are not hard to follow. What God's asking us to do isn't hard, it really isn't. It's not hard to follow. But we, we express our love to God. One of the ways we express our love to God is through our Obedience. It's evidence that we love God, our obedience is. Now think about this. If, if our obedience is evidence that we love God, what's disobedience? I think it's evidence that something's off. That there's an area of our life where we maybe don't trust God. We're maybe not fully submitted to God. We don't feel like we, can, we know God's plan, His, His purpose is for us in that area. So we, we hold back. But when we obey God, we, we, we love Him. I love this quote, uh, a lady named Dorothy Day said this, she said, True obedience is a matter of love, which makes it voluntary, it's not compelled by fear or force. Listen, what I'm talking about today is not, is not obedience based on a fear of getting on God's bad side so that he doesn't smite us. One, God doesn't have a bad side, okay, so you need to know that. But, but really, this is about understanding the heart of God The love that he has for you. So that you understand that because he loves you so much, his motives for you are good. And out of that, your motivation to obey him is easy. It's super easy. We obey because we love God. Here's number two. We obey because we love others. Your obedience affects the lives of people around you. Because God always works through people. He's looking for people who are willing to be submitted to his will that he can work his will through. God's looking for people that He can use in this world to make an impact and a difference in this world. This is all over Scripture. I mean, you look at every story in the Bible where God is, is working for good in people's lives. He's always using people. God's looking at people he can, looking for people He can use. I think of the, the Egyptians who were, slave from, who were saved from slavery. These people have been in slavery for 400 years, and God wants to free them. So what does he do? He brings Moses, who comes and says, "Hey, let my people go Pharaoh, and He leads them out. He needed a person. I think of uh, the people of Nineveh who were, who were spared from the, the wrath of God because Jonah was willing to go to them and to preach to them. I think of, I think of uh, the human race that was saved from extinction because Noah was willing to build an ark. I think of the Gentile people who received the message of Jesus Christ. By the way, me and you, we Gentiles... The people that were able to receive the message of Jesus Christ because Paul was willing to go to them and preach, was willing to leave his race, was willing to leave his culture to reach out to a group of people with the message of Jesus Christ. God's looking for people that he can touch, he can affect, he can, he can bring his will into their lives. So he's looking for people like us who will be obedient to his will, who are willing to say, God, use me. Do something through me. Andrew Murray has a quote. He says, the way of blessing, the way to be a blessing to the world it's to be people of obedience, known by God and to the world by this one mark. Now, let me say this, too. If you love your family, if you love your kids, you'll obey God. You'll walk in yeah. obedience. Because your obedience affects your family. And listen, your disobedience affects your family. I mean, the Bible's clear about this. I'll, I'll give you some verses. Genesis 22, verse 18. Because you have obeyed me, your offspring on the earth will be blessed. Deuteronomy 5.29. I wish that they would always worship me with fear and trembling and be this willing to obey me then. This is what happens when they obey. They and their children would always. Somebody say always. Always always enjoy a successful life. Wow. Like that's a promise from God. You obey God, you're going to always... Experience a successful life. That's amazing. Psalms 112 verse 1. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His command. Their children will be successful everywhere they go. I think we totally underestimate the, the magnitude that, and the effect that our obedience has on our family and the people around us. Listen, your, your family is eating from the obedience that you're producing. Your obedience today is building an inheritance that will touch future generations. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they're going to be affected by your obedience and your disobedience. So we obey because we love others. Here's number three. We obey because we love ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about like vain conceit here, okay? I'm not talking about loving me some... All right, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a really a godly desire to want to have the blessing of God on our life and walk in the will of God. That's what I'm talking about. And let me just tell you that that's a good thing. You should want to have the blessing of God on your life. And if you study the Bible, what you're going to find is the blessing of God and obedience to God go hand in hand. Proverbs 16 verse 20 says, God blesses those who obey him pretty well spelled out right there right Isaiah 119 if you are willing to if you willingly obey me the best crops in the land will be yours Deuteronomy 28 talks about all these promises are available if you walk in obedience, the children of God could walk in. And those same promises that were available to the children of God in the Old Testament are now available to us through Christ as children of God. And it talks about how they, 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 they're going to be provided for, they're going to have favor, that if the enemy comes against them, that he's going to run in, in other directions, that they're going to have enough for their homes, and they're going to be blessed in the cities and in the fields, and everything they set their hands to will prosper. You guys may have heard that one before. If... We obey God if you obey God. These are the promises that are available to you if you obey. So so we obey because we love God and we want to express our love to Him. We obey because we love others and we recognize that our obedience affects the lives of people around us. And we obey because we love ourselves and we know that the blessing of God is attached to our obedience. Here's number two We obey in faith. I love this one. You're going to like this one too. It's good. We obey in faith. Let me say it this way. We obey when it doesn't make sense up here. We obey when it doesn't make sense to our natural way of thinking. We obey when we don't see the, the end at the beginning. We obey when it's hard. This is called walking by faith, my friends. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. And you've got to understand, as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be times that God asks you to walk in obedience without showing you the end game, without showing you how everything's going to work out. He invites you to obey. And when you, when you act in faith, it opens up God to, to, to act in your favor. When, here's what's going to happen. As you step out in faith, when you do, your act of faith is followed by acts of God, acts of the favor of God. Uh, let me show you this in Scripture. Turn to Luke chapter 5 if you have your Bible. Luke chapter 5, go there with me. There's a story here of Jesus having this encounter with Peter. And we see, we see Jesus having this encounter with him where, where he invites him to obedience in faith. And we see that God's able to do something incredible because he's willing to obey. Luke chapter 5, starting verse 1, it says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret... The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats. Everybody say two boats. boats. Left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So the fact that they're washing their nets means that they're done fishing. Like they're cleaning up after themselves. They've been fishing. They're done. They're putting their stuff away, finishing up for the day. He got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which is like a bold move. Like he just got into this guy's boat. Just got into it. It's like somebody just get, goes out and gets you in your car after church today. Well, I saw you had a new song sticker on it, and I needed it, so I got in it. That's a bold move, right? And he asked him to put out a little from shore. So it's like they're in your car, and now you go, hey, can I get your keys? It's awesome. Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is preaching to this group of people. And what he's, what he's doing here, this is what God showed me this week. What he's doing here is, is he's wanting to minister to this group of people and from, from a platform. And and what he wants is he wants Peter's boat to be a platform that he can preach to these people from. Okay, so so think about this. This is Jesus, right? You guys know Jesus. Turn to the person beside you and say, I know Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so this is Jesus. And you know a little bit later on, he's going to walk on water. So like that's in his wheelhouse to do. So, so think about it. He could have, in this moment, he could have, like, the people are crowding him. He's at the shore, running out of space. He could have just been like, you know what? I'm just going to moonwalk back onto this water and just kind of stood out there. And the water, would have, the water that he spoke into existence would just form underneath him and hold him up, and he can speak to this group of people. That would have been pretty impressive. Right? Like, I might have done that. You might have done that. But Jesus didn't do that. Because he wanted to teach these people something. He wanted to show them something that I believe he wants us to see today. So, so rather than do that, here's what he does. He says, Peter, I want your boat. He says, Peter, I want your life. Here's what he's saying, guys. Peter, I, I want to use what you have as a platform to minister to these people. Yeah. You guys track it with me? Yeah. Listen to new song, church. The God who, who can walk on water, who created this earth, is saying to you today, I want your boat. I want your life. He's saying, I want to speak and minister from the platform of what you have to offer. Oh, that's so good, isn't it? Okay, so the question is, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient and willing to submit that, that thing that you have to God and allow Him to use it? If you will, He'll bless it. Look at what this story goes on. That's what Simon did. It says, then he sat down, Simon Peter, this is Jesus now. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the water and let down your nets for a catch. Verse five, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but I love this part, okay, check this out. But, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now understand, this is, This is Simon here. Like, Simon is a fisherman. He's been raised to be a fisherman. He knows fishing. And now this this teacher, this carpenter, Jesus isn't a fisher, he's a carpenter, is saying, hey, let's go fishing. Hey, I know you just cleaned up all your stuff. I know you just said that, he just made a statement. He said, we've caught, we fished all night, caught nothing. Like, they're probably frustrated. They're probably aggravated. They're probably tired. And now Jesus is saying, Let's go fishing. I bet this makes zero sense to him. But what does it say? It says, but. he says, because you said so. So he says, it makes no sense to my mind, but I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you say to do. And because he does, because he steps out in faith and is willing to submit what he has to God and, and do and obey what God's asking him to do. God does a miracle. Look at this, verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now question, what what was his biggest problem before Jesus shows up on the scene? He's caught no fish, right? They caught nothing. Now what's his biggest problem? They can't handle all the fish that God has given them. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 7, so they, they signaled their partners, the other people around them, they started saying, hey guys, come over here, we can't handle this, it's ripping our nets up. It signaled their partners in their boats, and they came to help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Yeah. This is a miracle. God caused this to take place. After he submits what he has to God, the blessing of God is on what he has, and now it does something incredible. It's able to do something that's so powerful that it spills over on the lives of people around them. Listen, church, that's what God wants to do in you. God wants to do a work in that thing that you're holding on to. If you'll submit it to him, that gift that you have, that platform God wants to minister from, if you'll submit it to God, he'll take it, he'll bless it, and then it'll be such an incredible blessing, it'll spill over on the people all around you. If you obey. If you're willing to obey in faith, if you're willing to say it makes no sense, but I'm going to obey you anyways, open the person beside you and say, I'm going to obey. Do it again like you mean it. Come on, third service. Let me give you one more story. Second Kings chapter three. Second Kings chapter three. We've got a story of these three Kings, Hebrew Kings that are going out to, to fight a battle. And they find themselves in a tough situation where they're in this valley, and the Bible says it's a dry valley. And, and they're out of supplies, and they're out of water, and they're thirsty, and they're dehydrated. And they, are, they find themselves in a bad situation. And they don't know what to do, so they, they go to the, to the prophet, and they say, prophet, give us direction. They go to Elisha, and he begins to, to speak to them. And this is what he says. This is the direction. This is what God says. Notice his words. God's word is. This is what God's telling them to do. He says, dig ditches all over this valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water. And your army and your animals will drink their fill. This is easy for God to do. Okay, so let me break this down for you. we got a group of thirsty men. They're hot. They're tired. They're, they're parched. Turn the person beside you and say, he just said parched. Said parched. <sighs> parched. That's an awesome word. You ever feel Parched. I'm a little parched right now. I'm going to hydrate. Bear with me, people. Okay, parched is gone. So they're parched. They're thirsty. They're hot. And the word of the Lord is dig. How many of you know that doesn't make any sense? Like you don't want to hear that when you're thirsty. Have you ever dug a ditch before? It's horrible. This summer, or in the fall, me and Brandon had to dig a ditch in our house. We had this big old machine to help us with it, but it was still awful. Awful work. Digging ditches is the worst. And it's especially hard when the ground's hard. And when you're thirsty, that, that even magnifies it even more. This makes zero sense to these guys. This is the last thing they want to do, and yet they're willing to obey God. They're willing to walk in obedience to God. And so look what happens. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 20, it says this. In the morning... It was at the hour of the morning sacrifice. The water had arrived. Water pouring in from the west, from Edom. A flash flood filling the valley with water. Now notice, it didn't rain where they were. What happened was, while they were digging ditches in the dirt, in the dry dirt, God caused a storm to take place in the mountains far away from them. They couldn't see it. They were digging in the dirt. They were in the dry place. But God was providing for them in a place away from them that they couldn't see. But they were digging in the dirt. And because they dug in the dirt, listen, when the flood came to them, when the blessing arrived, because they dug the ditches, they had a container that could hold what God provided. If they wouldn't have dug the ditches, listen, the water would have passed them by. But because they were obedient to what God asked them to do, even though they couldn't see it, they did it in faith. God was able to fill the container that they created. New Song Church, I believe this. I believe God is working. As you, as He, God's gonna ask, He's gonna invite He's gonna say, Here, here's a shovel, it's time to dig. And he's going to invite you to dig. He's going to invite you to obey when it doesn't make any sense. But what you don't realize is what you're doing right now, you're creating a container for God to fill. And while it may not feel like anything's taking place, over here on a mountain somewhere away from you, God is providing what you need. And he's going to send it your way. But if you don't dig the ditch, God can't fill it. you got to dig the ditch. So my question to you this morning is, where do you need to dig a ditch in faith? If God's going to fill up, see, we go to God sometimes and we, want, we, we ask God to do stuff for us. We want God to, to provide for us and do stuff. And God says, okay, here's a shovel. And we say, no, I don't want a shovel. I want the thing. I mean, not the, this thing. I want the, the thing I want. Like, I want you to do what I want you to do. God says, okay, I will, but dig, dig a ditch. So here, here's what you need to get. If you dig it, God will fill it. What ditches do you need to dig in faith? Maybe you need to dig some ditches in your, in your marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't where you want it to be. You say, well, oh, Pastor Josh, it's not my fault. It's, it's, it's my spouse's fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. They, they're the ones that need to change. Well, we can't do nothing about them. But we can work on you. Where do you need to dig a ditch? What do you need to change? Maybe you need to dig a ditch of being a little bit nicer, being a little bit sweeter. Letting the other person have their way every once in a while. Preferring the other one. If you dig it, God will fill it. Maybe you're single and you want to be married. Where do you need to dig a ditch? Maybe you need to dig a ditch of godly character. Maybe you need to dig a, a ditch of refining your personality a little bit. Let's get real. Maybe you need to dig a ditch physically. Are you a catch? Like, how's your hygiene? Hygiene? You put deodorant on? Put deodorant on, people. Do you need to lose some weight? Like if, okay, if you were the flood that was passing by, would they want to catch you? (laughs) I'm not trying to be ugly. But are, are you doing the best you can? You need to dig a ditch. Maybe you want some financial freedom. You want to get out from under some debt. You want to get out from some stuff that you're dealing with financially. Well, are you are you obeying God? Are you tithing? Because God can't bless you in, in in your in your finances if you're not obeying God. Sorry, it's His word, not mine. Are, are you are you saving money? Are you are you have you created a budget? Are you working to pay off your debts the best you can? I mean, where can you dig a ditch? See, we, we want see, God. We want you to do this thing for us. We want you to save us in this area of life. This is what I need. And God says, "Here, here's what I want you to do." Then, and we say, "No, we don't want to do that. We want to do. We just want the thing." But God can't give you the thing unless you got a container that can handle it. You got to dig a ditch. So you got to dig a ditch. If we obey in faith, if you dig it, God will fill it. If you obey God when it makes no sense, he'll provide the fish. He'll fill the nets. He'll bless you. But you've got to be willing to obey God. We obey because we love God, others, and ourselves. And we obey in faith. Here's number three. We obey because Jesus obeyed. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian. Any Christians in the house this morning? I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, the very definition of that word means I'm a Christ follower. And that doesn't just mean I'm just kind of following Jesus around, but that I'm trying to model my life after the life I see in Him. Paul called this being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's what all of us should be pursuing, to, to, to live a life in such a way that we're doing everything we can to look as much like Jesus to the world around us as we possibly can. That's, that's what a Christian's working towards. Okay, so if that's the goal, and then I look at Jesus and I look at His life, what I'm going to discover about the life of Jesus is he was incredibly obedient to godly authority and to the will of God for his life. Think about this. Jesus was obedient to his parents. They, they weren't perfect people. They, they weren't holier than anybody else. They weren't. I don't know what kind of upbringing you have, but they weren't. They were just normal people. Normal, everyday people. But, but Jesus, the Son of God, who is God was willing to to obey them. In fact, the Bible says this in Luke 2, verse 51. It says, Jesus went down with them. This is talking about Mary and Joseph. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. In other words, he obeyed what they wanted him to do. Jesus was obedient to his parents. In fact, Jesus didn't step out in ministry until his mother released him to do ministry. It was Mary who said at the wedding party, Jesus, we need wine. Go do something about it. And he, he didn't really want to, but he did it because it was the will of his mom. That's how obedient he was. And, and when you read the Bible, you're going to see over and over and over again this idea that Jesus was not doing his own will, but he was here to do the will of the Father. Now, I'm going to plow through some verses real quick. I want you to hang with me, but I want you to see this, okay? John four thirty four says this, Jesus talking, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. In other words, my, my, my nourishment comes from, from obeying God, my Father. John 5:30 He says I can do nothing on my own I judge as God tells me. He says I carry out the will of the one who sent me not my own will. John 6:38 For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. He's obedient to his father. John 14:31 I will do what the Father requires of me so that the will of so, so the world will know that I love the Father. In other words he's saying I'm expressing my love and the world will see my love for God by the way I obey him. John 15 verse 10. When you obey my commandments, he's talking to you right now, you remain in my love just as I, Jesus talking, I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus was unbelievably obedient and submitted to the will of his father to the point that Philippians 2:8 says that he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, I was thinking about that this week, and and, and because I'm fasting, I couldn't help but but think of when Jesus was fasting. You guys know this story, that Jesus, he he goes to the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He has no food, no water, nothing. Like some of us felt like we were gonna die earlier this week because we had no coffee. Jesus had nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's in this moment that the devil comes to him with temptations, and begins to tempt him. And some people will say that this is the greatest temptation that Jesus ever faced, but I don't think it is. In fact, when I read this story, I see strength in Jesus. I don't see weakness in him. I don't see anywhere in these verses where Jesus is saying, Father, pull me out from underneath this. I can't handle it. If it's your will, can I step out from under?" He never says that. That never takes place. But there is a place in the Bible where I see that. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's hours away from the worst punishment and torture and shame he, that, that anyone will ever experience he, he's going to be stripped of his clothing spat on, mocked, ridiculed, beaten hung on a cross beyond the physical pain he's going to experience the weight of all sin for all time is going to be placed on him to the point that he's separated from his father for the first time and only time in human history or in history he knows that that's coming he knows that that awaits him that pressure is on him he also knows and this is important he also knows that he doesn't have to do it he can get out from underneath it He knows that that he has the ability to escape this. In fact, when the Roman soldiers come to crucify him, he goes out of his way to to make sure they know that. And he makes this statement, and I think it's so we could understand this too. He says this in uh, Matthew 26, verse 53. Jesus says to these Roman soldiers who are gonna take him away, he says, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide for me more than 12 legions of angels? Now, a legion is 6,500 men. Jesus is saying, I can pray, and right now I'm going to get 78,000 angels at my disposal. All i got to do is say a word. By the way, in 2 Kings, one angel killed 185,000 people by himself. Jesus says, I can have 78,000 of those right now. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. One word for me, and this is over. He's saying, I, you're not taking me. I'm, I'm laying this down. I'm giving my life for, 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 for humanity. So, so Jesus, I mean, imagine the pressure, because it's pressure to know that that's coming, but it's also pressure to know you can't escape it. That that adds to the pressure, because he could get away at any time during all of this, and under this pressure, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying, and he's he's praying to the point that he's sweating, and the Bible says he's sweating drops of blood, and in that moment, under that pressure knowing that he's getting to go to a cross that he doesn't deserve, that he could escape from, he makes this statement. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Now look at this. Get this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I believe this is the greatest moment of temptation in human history. And this is the greatest act of obedience in human history that Jesus was willing to in that moment say this isn't about what I want I am obeying the will of my father and the will of my father is to go to that cross and die so he humbled himself to the point of death and died a criminal's death on the cross and because of that listen he received an incredible blessing and an incredible reward And the blessing, part of it is described here in Philippians two verse nine. It says, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That that is Jesus' reward for what he did, that, that someday everybody's gonna bow and confess that he's Lord. But listen, that is not why Jesus went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross thinking, man, I'm going to do this and now I'm going to be top dog. And everybody someday is going to have to bow before me and say, I'm Lord because I'm doing this. No, no, no. The motivation for him going to the cross we find in Hebrews 12 2. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him. If you've been a new song, you've heard me talk about this before. It was you. So understand this. Jesus faced a temptation, the greatest temptation of all time and the greatest act of obedience was this, that he would willingly lay down his life for you. Jesus obeyed like never before for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? This week as I was studying this and praying over this, God gave me some, some questions, I think, to present to you this morning. Because I believe that many of you, I know you're, you're walking in obedience, but I believe there may be some areas of your life that God wants to uncover to you today so that you can walk in more of the blessing and the favor and the things that God has for you. So, so here's here's my question to you. Here's something, just, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as, as I say these words. Is there any area of your life where you're not walking in obedience like you should be? Is there an area of your life where you're rebelling? Are you obeying God in your relationships? I felt strong. God God put this on my heart. Are you doing married things, but you're not married? If you are, understand this. God can't bless that relationship. You can't disobey God and expect the blessing of God to be on what you're doing. You can't do that. Are you obeying God when it comes to your finances? Are you tithing? Or or do you have an excuse for why that doesn't apply to you or your situation? Listen, if you are, understand God can't bless you in the area that you're walking in disobedience. He can't bless you in your finances if you're disobeying him. He can't bless you when you're robbing him. That's the word of God, not my words. Those are God's words. Are you obeying God to forgive that person? Is there someone who's done you wrong? You say, Pastor Josh, you don't know what they did. I, I don't know what they did, but it doesn't matter. God calls you to obedience. And he calls you to obedience, in this area is forgiveness. And, and, and they may be dead wrong. They may, what they did was wrong, but listen, you not forgiving them is not helping you at all. What, by you not forgiving them, what you're doing is you're keeping God from being able to bless you with the healing he wants to provide for you in that area. Is there an area of your life where you're not obeying God like you should be, just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. And if there is, here's what you do. Here's what you do. It's real simple. You just, right there, just between you and God, just take a moment and say, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me for for not obeying you in that area of my life. And and then make the decision. I'm going to obey. And I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to obey what you're telling me to do. Lord, I thank you for our church. I thank you for all these people. I pray right now that you'd speak to hearts and minds, that you'd give people a revelation, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would would show us what we need to do and what we need to change so that we can move forward. I know you've got good things for us, Lord. And so I pray today that we would have, you'd give us hearing hearts, that we'd hear beyond just the words of the obedience, the heart of what you wanna do through our obedience, Lord. Give us hearing hearts where we hear beyond the words to the heart of what you want to do in our life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We we choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.